Welcome to this week's PDPW podcast, where Holly Green joins us again from The Human Factor with part two of her podcast on resiliency. In our last podcast, we talked about developing yours and the resiliency of others, people who are able to spring back. You know, we have the same fears and apprehension as everyone else when we engage in unexpected change, but there are many, many individuals who are able to deal with unexpected change or transition even more effectively. Those resilient individuals get the right things done with a great attitude, and they're always focused on continuous improvement without getting worn down by the constant change. So resilient individuals is what we all want to be. We want to be able to spring back, bend, and adapt to change. We've certainly all recognized we're not in charge of the change. Uh, We can't control most of the change, but we can control our own brain. So one of the first things I really want you to do is, of course, remind yourself, is this something external I can or cannot control? And if I can't, what I can control is my own brain. I can control the transition, the way I think about it, the things that I particularly do, and how I help others get through those crazy phases of unexpected change. So in this podcast, I talked about those factors of resiliency last time, the ability to stay positive, focused, flexible, proactive, and organized. And I want to define for you a little more clearly today what each of those looks like when we are behaving as resilient individuals. So positive We have a belief, and it's clear to others, that setbacks and failures are temporary. They're limited to the situation. They're not our fault, if you will. So it sounds like someone saying, okay, what can we learn from this? This happened. What can we do next? How can I take advantage of this? How can I move through it more effectively? And this includes speaking positively about even unexpected and kind of negative change to other individuals, always looking for the beneficial aspects of each situation, and then celebrating the accomplishments and progress that we make moving through that unexpected change. What it looks like when we're being flexible is that we're demonstrating the ability to surface, test, And if necessary, change our own deeply held beliefs and assumption about the change. So really, this is about thinking about what you are thinking about. The ability to say, gosh, what data do I have? What do I believe about this? Why am I making these assumptions and drawing these conclusions? And could it be otherwise? Could it look different from a different seat, if you will, a different perspective? What new opportunities have presented themselves and how can I make a decision to go forward, even if it's counter to everything that has served me incredibly well in the past? Being flexible is also someone who can see alternatives. They understand that not everything is set and there probably is no one single right answer about anything. So the ability to change perspective, as I mentioned earlier, to tap into existing ideas and information that are in other sectors, other industries, other ways of thinking and working, and to create new ideas by putting together seemingly disparate bits and pieces of information. 
Now, this requires that you feed your brain some pretty amazing, diverse data, that you look for information in a lot of different directions and places. I want you to be very cautious of your media consumption. Remember, the media's job is to create drama, so they drive you to listening or viewing or paying attention to their particular spin on things. So mind your media consumption, but continue to feed your brain truly diverse data so that you're you're constantly able to put things, pieces, and parts together in whole new ways. You can combine ideas and make connections You can explore different lines of thought and even very different viewpoints. It is something something, uh, that we're all seeing going away more and more where people are able to truly dig into their current view on whatever it is in the world, but they're not able to have a conversation holding very disparate views or differences of opinion, uh, even differences in what we would call facts. This ability to do this, our brain can do it, no question. It's called cognitive dissonance. We can do it. It's just we're finding today that notion of speed kind of trumps the slowing down and the being able to discuss things that perhaps we don't necessarily agree with just to constantly broaden our perspective. Doesn't mean we change our view necessarily, but that ability to feed our brain the diverse data and ponder new and different thoughts, even if we come back to the original one. That next factor of resilience that we talked about is organized. So how do I create clear decision criteria? How do I evaluate options and choose an effective option? And am I explicit about decision criteria? So really organized people are able to say, here's my expectation. Here are the parameters or the things I want you to consider or even myself to consider in making a decision. Here are values, for instance, that cannot be infringed on. Here are some guide rails, if you will, that you must drive between. So an organized individual in our brain has those patterns and structures and frameworks, and we're able to tap into and think about what are they? When I make this decision, what is most important to me? How do I share this with others? How do I align myself, my organization, my team to doing that particularly well by really talking about what's in my head that that probably has been secret to most people? Organized people have processes, systems that work for them, and they get things done in a timely manner. We've all sat in a meeting at some point where probably someone and maybe even ourselves agreed to do something by a certain date, and then we didn't do it. And that's a problem. It, it really, in at its core, is kind of a lack of integrity because it's not doing what we said we would do. We've all been caught in it. We all, there's so much going on today. We're all trying to do so much with so little. Um, but the more and more we can really focus on making sure we do things as we said we were going to do them, we do them in a timely manner, And we have ways to keep ourselves on track to do that. I know I personally use my computer a lot. I always say it's always screaming at me, reminding me to do this or that. So I don't assume that I will remember. I assume I will forget, right? So even something I need to do every week that I should think at this point, I've been doing it for 15 years, perhaps it's rote behavior. I still put it in there to 
something to come up and prompt me to do this every single week. And I encourage you to, to really begin thinking that way um, so that you're setting yourself up to be successful. You're not leaving things to chance. You're not leaving them to your memory. Our memories in general as adult humans are highly suspect. So <laughs> if we kind of consider that and we set ourselves up to be successful by creating those prompts uh, so that we stay focused on what we committed to, what needs to be done, and the timeliness in which it needs to be done. And being organized means really monitoring results. So that's a follow-up system, it, you know, not only for yourself, but with others as well. And then looping back and checking in as appropriate. We don't want to move to the place of micromanaging where we're telling people, you know, what to do every moment and exactly how to think and how to behave uh, every moment of the day, and then we're kind of, you know, towering over them, making sure they're doing it. But you do want to make sure you have accountability in yourself and others by being organized, by following up, by checking in. When you do that, that's all that accountability is, is doing what we said we were going to do when we said we were going to do it. So in ourselves and in others, we want to make sure we're doing that follow-up, that check-in um, as appropriate. So let's look at what, what does proactive look like when we are behaving in a proactive manner. So we seek information about new situations or changes. Instead of going into those cycles of change where we deny and we get frustrated and we check out, we actually look into it. We seek to find out more. And we pose questions before we make any final decisions on how we're going to behave and how we're going to think. Role modeling that, saying some of those questions out loud, pondering, gosh, this has just happened. Let's talk about how we can deal with this most effectively. Really being a very vocal about those kinds of things is going to prompt your own brain and it's going to help others around you begin to follow in that thinking process. Having alternate plans or backup scenarios. So in our brain, you know, we, we oftentimes are overly optimistic. We launch a new system, a new process, a new way of doing something. Um, and we forget that there are a lot of adult humans and many uncontrollable forces at play. So anytime you've got it all mapped out and you think it's going to go that way and it's all going to happen before next Friday, just take three minutes. Just set a quick timer and take three minutes to say, and if, you know, portion A doesn't work or plan B doesn't or step four doesn't quite go as I think, what, what else can we do? Where, what options do we have here? We call that pre-thinking. It's kind of like a pre-mortem. Many of you have probably heard of post-mortem. You know, you did something new. You onboarded a new customer. You got a new um, supplier or vendor. And you thought about after the first few experiences with that, you sat down and said, okay, what didn't go as well? What can we fine tune? How, what can we do better? That's a postmortem. Those are very valuable. And a premortem is also very valuable. It's just the pre-thinking, the thinking through, if this goes wrong, here's what we'll do. If this doesn't work, here's how we can address it. If this piece of machinery breaks, here's what I can do as backup. So it begins helping our brain sort of pound out the pathway that we may need to travel. Remember, our brain likes those well-worn pathways. So if we have pre-thunk something, we've started 
pounding out that pathway in the forest, if you will, so it's clear and it's easier to run down should we need to run down it. So being proactive requires a lot of practice in doing that. Pre-thinking, pre-thinking. It's also little things. It's going beyond what you have to do and doing something a little extra. It's that extraordinary commitment that we see people do. And it can be small, small, little things. You know, it's actually not having the good intention of thanking someone. It's sitting down and, and run, jotting down a quick note to them or calling them to speak to them personally to thank them or, you know, following up with an email that just says, I really appreciate you getting this done. So our, our brain does not discern well between good intention and behavior many, many times. And so if we kind of think about, oh yeah, I need to thank that person. I'll make sure to do that. Maybe even I'll give them, you know, a basket of their favorite candy or whatever it is. (laughs) Then our brain kind of checks the box, even if we don't do it. So you want to make sure that you do follow through and you go beyond and you get whatever needs to get done to exceed expectations of yourself and of others. So this means going beyond and taking care of ourselves sometimes, getting that extra hour of sleep or, you know, spending a little more time with our family and friends, whatever it is for you um, that's going to take care of you, but, but certainly going beyond at work as well whenever you can. Now, focused looks like really clarifying winning, being clear on what you want to achieve by when, being so clear that you're kind of parachuting yourself into that place and you're imagining it like a fly on the wall could see it. That clear. Every detail you can think about on achieving success, whatever it is for you, whatever it is. You can apply this in thinking about your family, vacations, certainly every aspect of work. So you want to make sure Every day you're thinking about what's most important today. What will be the big win at the end of the day? You know, as adult humans, we wake up in the morning and we want to win. It is, in fact, our deepest instinct is to win. It drives our behaviors. It drives fight or flight even, which we always considered one of the deepest instincts. Winning drives us. So make sure you have defined it as comprehensively as possible And you touch on it by looking at what your definition is, writing it down, prompting your brain, thinking about it. Even if it's only one minute every day, that will get you refocused on what's most important. It will help you manage your time more effectively. So, and part of that goes kind of loops back to these other things I've said. Once you're clear on winning, because you want to win instinctually as an animal, It will help you hold yourself accountable as well. So that's what it looks like. That's what it looks like, the behaviors of the factors of resiliency. A few other simple things you can do is just make sure you're getting as much natural light as you can. Now, in many of our roles, we're outside a lot. That's a great thing. But if you've been stuck in an office, do whatever you can to go outside. Take a deep breath. Periodically, As soon as you start thinking about yourself, whatever you're thinking about, you maybe feel frustrated or even when you're overly enthusiastic about something, just pause five seconds and breathe more 
um, deeply than you typically would. Be kind to yourself. In unexpected change, we tend to also beat ourselves up. So I always coach people, treat yourself with the same compassion, love, and respect that you would a trusted friend. Don't say things to yourself that you would not say to a loved, trusted friend. Self-talk is insanely powerful in our brain. And our brain doesn't know it's not true when we say, oh, I'm not good enough. I don't think I can do that. I'm never going to make it. Our brain doesn't know that's not a fact. So be kind to yourself and treat yourself as if you are a trusted, loved, and respected friend. Constantly engage others. Even if you're an introvert, engage others. Stay connected to friends and family. And one thing that our brain really loves is what we already know. We've talked about that. So what can stay the same for you? Figure out what it is and make sure you keep that. Whether it's you know, communing uh, with others every Sunday for lunch, whether it's certain values that you hold dear, it doesn't matter what it is. But kind of call it out to yourself and remind yourself, this is an anchor for me and I'm going to hold on to it no matter what. And do that around at least a few things. Your brain will really appreciate it. Actually, all of you are already well started. Continue on your journeys to grow your own resilience and the resiliency of others. Continue to do great things. Our thanks to Holly Green, global management consultant, award-winning speaker, and best-selling author with The Human Factor, Inc. And our thanks to you for continuing to listen and support these PDPW weekly podcasts. Until next time, have a great week.